0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here with Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for being here. I want to talk about something that is common to all of us, and that is anger. Anger comes with our Adamic packaging. You've gotten angry recently. I've gotten angry It's just who we are as fallen people. We live in a fallen world. We do fallen things. And as you begin to interact with people, you will see that there are common themes in all of our lives. And one of those themes is anger. It is something that we produce a lot of content on at our website here at Life Over Coffee. In fact, I have written a book called M.A.D. That's not an acronym. It's just a succinct way of communicating our universal struggle with anger. And that is a digital download that you can have. It's free to you. Go to our store, and I want you to get my book, M.A.D., and I want you to benefit from it. I would also like for you to share it it with anyone. Just let them know, hey, you can get a free book here on anger. Please uh, get it, and that would just be fantastic. Now, let me give you a pro tip. If you are sharing my book, Mad, with an angry person, don't do that when they're angry. Uh, Do that during a civil time when they're not angry and say, hey, when they're in a state of humility and they're they're teachable and they're ready to receive something that you have to say or something that you want to provide, that would be the moment to give them the book, Mad. But I do want you to share it in in any which way you can because I want people to benefit from it because, again, you and I aren't the only ones that get angry look out over the culture, spend five minutes on socials, you'll see it, you know it's there, and it's always, it's in everybody's heart. So it's important that we can talk in a rational way and that we can say the quiet part aloud, that we struggle with anger, that it recurs in our lives. Now, I know some of you have been walking with the Lord for many, many years, and that is just not who you are, Well, that's because you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and you have appropriated the grace of God in your life. And so anger is not a recurring theme in your life. And for that, I do rejoice. But it's not the majority report. And so I trust that what I'm sharing with you will help you to not just understand anger from a behavioral perspective, but I also want to address what's going on in the heart because what's going on in the heart is actually uh, the source or the cause for the anger that we exhibit. Now, if you want to find what I'm sharing with you, go to LifeOverCoffee.com. You're looking for episode 497, and we have a lot of linkage inside these show notes, and so there's a lot of tools here, and if that's something that you struggle with or you are helping somebody who struggles with anger, then by all means, go to episode 497. The title of it is Help for the Angry and those in the line of fire. Now, I want to begin by sharing something that is probably counterintuitive, and that is that sinful anger comes from the heart of a weak person. Have you thought about that? Now, if you're on the receiving end of somebody's anger, well, it doesn't feel weak at all. Their anger feels like force. It feels like power. It feels like it's going to hurt you, devastate you. It's going to overwhelm you, and some forms of anger will do that. But I'm not talking about the behavioral output of anger, the physicality of anger. I'm actually talking about where anger begins, the genesis of it. Anger begins as a spiritual thing. It begins in our hearts, in our souls. And that's why I say sinful anger comes from the heart of a weak person, because it doesn't take any strength to sin. You're at a traffic light and someone cuts you off. It takes strength to exercise self-control. Someone says something that offends you. It takes strength to be slow to speak and quick to listen but anger doesn't take any strength whatsoever. It is a spiritually weak person. There is a dearth In their soul. They have no power within and sinful anger comes from the heart of a weak person. They have yet to learn how to submit their desires to the obedience of Christ. That takes work. This is what Paul was talking about in Philippians 2 that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Some people do not work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Or as James said in chapter 1, that we are to be doers of the word. This is called active obedience, where we actively engage God as he is working in our lives. Christianity is not for the weak or the frail of heart. There is much work involved. Uh, This is what the Hebrew writer was saying in Hebrews chapter 5, that by this time you ought to be teachers of the word, but you are now uh, still drinking milk and not of meat. Meat is for those who exercise, the Hebrew writer was saying. And so a person who has a pattern of sin in their lives, that is a weak individual. Again, Weak in the heart, weak in the soul, even though what comes out of them feels quite powerful and forceful, especially if you have been on the end of their anger. But we have to understand where the, the cause or the source is because you want to root it out at the source. If you don't, the only thing that you can do is behaviorally modify the person's life or your life. I was counseling a gentleman many years ago, and he had an anger problem, and he went to a secular counselor, and the counselor told him uh, that with your anger what you need to do is buy cheap plates. And so I asked him, I said, buy cheap plates? What what are you going to do with that? He said, well, the counselor told me that every time I get angry that I just throw those cheap plates into the fireplace and shatter them inside the fireplace. I said, well, how did that go? He said two things. He said, one, I've been buying a lot of plates recently, and then two, it doesn't work. Well, of course it doesn't work because that's behavioral modification. There is wisdom in behavioral modification. So I am saying that. This is what Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, that you amputate. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If uh, If your hand offends you, cut it off. There is wisdom in behavioral modification. However, some of our sin patterns are deeply rooted in our hearts, and if we don't take it out at the root. At the genesis, we can behaviorally modify all we want, but it's just going to grow back time and time again. And so that's why it's important that we have a clear understanding, not just the behavioral modifying things that we need to implement in our lives. Of course, we need to do that. But we've got to understand that there is something under the hood that has to be addressed, and that is in our hearts. And that's why I say that an angry person spiritually speaking, is a weak person. Now, when I talk about uh, anger in this uh, talk here, uh, every reference to anger is a, is, is a sinful anger, not righteous anger. Because sometimes people will say that, what about righteous anger? Yeah, there, there's a case for righteous anger, but that's not what this is about. That's another presentation. And so when I say anger, I will not always modify it by saying sinful anger, but that's what I mean. And then the second thing I want you to understand is that I'm going to use the male pronoun. Uh, I'm going to talk about a man, he, him, uh, as the illustration throughout. And there's a, here's two things I want you to do. One, if you're a female and struggle with anger, just flip everything around. Just flip everything around because everything I'm going to share applies to male and female. I'm just going to streamline this talk and just use man throughout. But just flip it around if it applies to you as a female. And then number two, um, make sure if you're a woman especially, uh, make sure you do enough heart assessment because it would be so easy if, if someone has been angry at you like forever. It would be so easy to focus so much on them, like, go get him. Yeah, yeah, he needs to hear that. Well, maybe he does need to hear that, but we all need to hear it because almost all of us struggle with various forms of anger, which leads to the next thing. In these show notes here at episode uh, 497, I have one of the more commonly used graphics in all of our infographics in our ministry. And we have over 130 of them. They're all free, by the way, and you can have every one of them. These are graphics that I have sketched out in actual counseling sessions. And I use them in counseling, and then I come back to the office and put them in infographics because, again, it applies to other people as well. And the graphic that is probably the most commonly used is what we call the anger spectrum. And I'm going to try to describe that to you here. But again, it would be best for you to go to episode 497 and you can get a a copy of it if you wish. As a matter of fact, if you go to the footer of our website, you'll see a quick link that says shareable. And that's exactly what it means. You can share it with yourself and you can share it with 1,000 of your closest friends. And I do want you to do that. And so go to the shareables, the footer of the website, the quick link, click on it, and then you'll see the infographic icon. You click on it, and 130 infographics will open up for you. One of them will be the anger spectrum. Now, what is it? Well, it's a spectrum. It really broadens out this idea of anger, because when some people think about anger, what they do is like they focus more on the volatile forms of anger, you know, like sexual abuse. Obviously, it is is just completely devastating, cursing, boiling mad, physical abuse. Throwing things. My mother had a powerful right arm. She could pick up an ashtray and, and clock my brother. I saw it. She just clocked him right up the side of the head. Yelling, lecturing, flipping people off, road rage, spiritual abuse, a short fuse, verbal abuse, hatred, racism. All of those are volatile forms of anger. And many times when we talk about anger, those are the things that come to mind because those are the most demonstrative. Also, those are the ones that have the most devastating consequences in our lives. But what I want to do for just a moment is, is to, is to cull out this idea of consequences. I'm not minimizing consequences. They are devastating, but that's not the point that I want to make here. All anger, in whatever form it is, will put Christ on the cross. I mean, your anger could be defensiveness, slander, criticalness, gossip, cynicism rolling of the eyes, negativity, bitterness, subtle manipulation, huffing under the breath, stubbornness, dismissiveness. These could be your forms of anger, and they're over on the other side of the spectrum. And no question, consequentially, those things do not even compare uh, to these other things like sexual abuse or physical abuse. But for now, I am not making a consequential argument I'm making an ontological argument, a spiritual argument. Any one of those sins will put Christ on the cross. Your nails that they use to put Christ on the cross may be smaller than my nails or somewhat else with this more volatile anger. But the ground around the cross is level. And none of us can stand before God and look down on another person and say, Thank you, Lord that I'm not like this other person here. The ground is level, and anything that we have that is good is because of the grace of God. And so I want to make sure that we don't, overlook our own little subtle sin patterns in our lives as we focus on those who do the more harsher sins. We want to make sure that we address all of our anger, regardless of the manifestation, regardless of the consequences, we want to root it out. And so I would appeal to you to go to our website, lifeovercoffee.com, and then go to the bottom where it Uh, It has those shareables. Click on it and get this anger spectrum. By the way, some people have used it in teaching moments. Uh, You can use it in Sunday school or a small group and just put it on the screen or print it off and share it with someone or, or with the group, rather. And they'll look at that and... I promise you that it will bring conviction to those who who are teachable and humble and they're looking to change. It will help them to think differently about anger, and it will help them to spotlight the anger that they manifest so that they can rid it out of their hearts. And so get that anger spectrum at Life Over Coffee. Now, whenever a person chooses sinful anger, regardless of the manifestation that it is, I mean, in effect, what you're doing is that you're giving the other person control over you. You're sitting at a traffic light and, and someone cuts you off and you yell at them. Well, that person has power over you. That's the weakness of me and the power of them. They did something that I did not like. And so now I'm like a marionette. I'm I'm a puppet on on a string. Now I'm not saying that they intentionally tried to make me angry, but that's basically what happened. And any time that someone gets angry sinfully at someone else, then that someone else they have power over that person. Now the person who is receiving the anger, just like they're not thinking about the weakness and insecurity of the angry person, they're also not thinking that they're controlling them like a marionette, because that's not how we intuitively think when somebody is yelling at us. But in that moment, that weak, angry person wants something so bad that now you have this power over them, and they're not going to stop until they get what they want. That individual that has the power, though it doesn't feel like they have the power, as long as that person uh, continues to want that thing, uh, the weak, angry person is going to rage at them. They will stop if you give them what they crave. Now, I'm not suggesting that you give them What they crave. That's kind of like a a toddler because there's not a lot of difference between an adult angry person and a pouting toddler. And so it's kind of like a toddler who is using anger uh, to manipulate the parent. No, I'm not suggesting you give them what they want, but we need to understand the dynamic of what's going on here. That weak, insecure, fearful toddler has learned to use anger to manipulate the parent Now that parent has power, and as long as you keep that thing from them, they're going to stay in that weakened state, and they're going to continue to rage until you give them what they want. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that you give them what they want, because actually you'll be enabling uh, at that point. There is another pathway to help this angry person. But the dynamic of of what's going on is that that person is a puppet on a string. Now, I'm also not suggesting that it's your fault. Uh, You won't give them what they want. Are you saying, well, it's my fault because they're angry? No. I'm just merely showing how a weak, insecure, dysfunctional, and manipulative person becomes when they cannot get their desires met. Again, going back to the toddler choosing a tantrum to coerce something out of the parent. Now the problem is in the heart of the individual. James 4, uh, verses 1 and 2, really gives us a succinct understanding of what is going on inside of the sinfully angry person. He says, what causes quarrels? Now, the word causes there, he's asking a source question. Where's the origination, the genesis of these quarrels? He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? And then James answers the question. Love James. Likes the way he uh, presents his arguments. He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? There's the cause. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And so he's asking, where is the source of our sinful anger? And then he gives us three synonyms. He says that the, the calls, the passions, are at war within us. We desire, do not have, so we murder. We covet, cannot obtain, so we fight and quarrel. Passions, desire, and coveting. Those are synonyms. Now, if you want to give those three words one word, it is idol. I-D-O-L. Idolatry. That's what it really is. When a person becomes sinfully angry. They become idolatrous in that moment. And so the parent has something. And for this uh, uh, toddler, they want it. And they're going to try to manipulate, coerce that thing uh, from the parent. And that parent has that power over them. And the toddler's in this weakened state because there's an idol. There's an object. There's something that that toddler wants. Well, It's the same with an adult. It is an idolatrous heart that is at war inside of him. Now, if that parent does not shepherd that out of the child, well, then that child grows up. He's 25, 35 years old, and he has a habituation in his life where he has learned from a toddler sitting on the floor how to manipulate a parent, And if it works, he's going to do it over and over again. And now he's seven, he's 17, he's 27, he's 37. He's been doing it for 35 years. That's the definition of an addiction. That's the definition of a habituation. And so he has his former manner of life, a way that he has been living, what Paul talked about in Ephesians 4.22. And he brings that former manner of life into his Christian experience. He becomes a Christian at, at 30 years of age. And so he drags 30 years of addictive behavior. And he's a babe in Christ. And that's where we want to be careful. We want to come alongside them and help them to mature, help to break that stronghold that has developed over 30 years in that person's mind, a manipulative way of coercing things out of people. The difference is, is that this adult 30-year-old angry person is not a toddler on the floor on the floor and so what was pouting 30 years ago is going to be something more devastating now 30 years later and so what is going on here and the crux of the matter is that angry people they have too many needs they just they just have too many needs what is going on is that it's, they have elevated expectations and plummeting disappointments. They have an elevated expectation that I need this thing in my life. They don't get that thing, and so they have plummeting disappointments. And then each time they do not get that need met, then the angry person just rages. They just rages out of a heart of disappointment because they did not get what they want. Angry individuals are weak people, and it's compelling one to ask... Do you really need what is causing your anger? I mean, is this really a need? In the most technical definition, is this a need or is it a desire run amok? Is this a a wish that has morphed into something that you have elevated to proportions that it should never be elevated to? That's what happens too often. I mean, how many arguments have you gotten into with someone only to look back to realize how unimportant it was? In the heat of the moment, that that desire, that wish, that hope that you had for that person to do this or for this thing to transpire and it didn't transpire. And it just kinds of, it morphs into a, now it is a big clunky need and it's life or death and I've got to have this and now I'm in such a weakened state and the only way that I can get it is to blow up at you so I can get it. Well, if you're like me, there have been a few times when you have elevated something in your heart until you became sinfully angry. And this is what happens when our desires morph into needs. And you can look at it like a a small circle, uh, or maybe look at it like a, a balloon with no air in it, and it's fine. And then you fill it full of air, and it just blows up. Now it's much bigger than it was previously. When our desires morph into needs, then these sinful demands are going to ensue. And that's what I was saying earlier, elevated expectations and plummeting disappointments if those expectations are not met. So the angry person has way too many needs. Now, I want to get into just a, a technical definition between needs and desires because this is so important because this is getting at the crux of what is going on in the heart of the so-called needy person. What is a real need? I mean, think of a need that is absolutely real. Like, you have to have this need. I'll give you one, thirst. Thirst is a real need. We know this to be true. A person dying of thirst will do almost anything to get a splattering of water to quench his thirst. The need for water controls him. He feels insecure. He feels fearful. And rightly so because he will eventually die without water. Now, that's a real need, and we all understand that. But we have what I call not real needs. These things are actually desires. Go back to my toddler. When a child does not get his way, he may pout to manipulate you. He believes He needs something. We have to properly categorize what a need is and what a desire is. A need, a splattering of water, you'll do almost anything to get it. That's a legitimate need. But if we bring everything in our life over into that category of need, Well, we got too many needs. We are a needy person, and we will be manipulating people from here to yonder. It will be a way of life because we have a room full of needs when in actuality these are not needs at all. And so my little toddler, he is craving to get this thing that he wants, and so he pouts. Well what is pouting? It's on the subtle side of the anger spectrum. Pouting is not road rage. Pouting is not throwing an ashtray across the room, but pouting is disguised anger. And so he will sit there with his lip rolled out. It's a tactic to capture what he has elevated to a need. Now, if the parent does not help the child change, he will take that manipulative tactic into his adulthood. It will become a former manner of life, what Paul talked about in Ephesians 4.22. It will be a deep-seated habituation. This person will be captured by this methodology of manipulating people to get what he wants. This is what Galatians 6.1 is talking about, if anyone is caught in a transgression. The word caught there is a, a, a old word for uh, the new word addiction. He will have addictive behavior as it applies to his anger, and that pouting will continue to go from the subtle side of the anger spectrum to more enforceful things that he will use as he grows older. By the time that he's a teenager, he will be yelling. When he gets married and has a wife, he can even do harsher things. Adults turn things like love and respect Approval, acceptance, significance, etc. They turn those things into needs. And in reality, they are not needs. We don't need somebody to respect us. I mean, isn't this what we're seeing in our culture? I saw a video just a couple of days ago where a a, a gentleman was getting angry at a a TSA person uh, at the airport because the TSA person misgendered them. I mean, think about that. That person, the person who was, quote, misgendered, that person has a growing list of desires that have morphed into needs. And if you do not meet those needs, then he will rage in anger and he will coerce, bully, cancel, manipulate you until you give him what he believes he needs. And that is a huge problem. It would be an excellent exercise for any of us just to write down what are the things that I really need. These are life and death things. What are the things that I have elevated to needs like respect or approval or acceptance or significance? Those are just a few things that can be on the desire list that do morph into needs. Imagine Jesus needing someone to respect him. No, he, he, he would not make it through the four Gospels. He would never make it to the cross. He was despised and rejected of men. But because he did not need their acceptance, he did not need their love, he did not need their respect. If he did then those people would have so much power over him he would be the puppet on the string he would be the marionette or uh, he would be the one that they would be manipulating but because he was so identified with his father, he was so secure in his father's acceptance, approval, respect, significance, and love, that he didn't need these sublunary loves. He didn't need, need this respect from other people. And so if they gave it to him or didn't give it to him, it did not control him. Everybody will be controlled And the things that control us, well, it will be by the things that we believe we need from other people. And if we need them or need that thing, we will give them the power and we become the puppets. In a nutshell, what the angry person is missing is Christ dying on the cross for his sins. This is the missing ingredient. And I'm just going to give it a word here. I'm going to call it the gospel. Christ dying for our sins on the cross. The gospel is what we need. That is the thing that we need. And when I forget this central truth in the Bible, I am apt to become sinfully angry at anyone. Now, if you want to see a clear portrait of a madman who ignored the gospel, then I would encourage you to read Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35. Now, you know the story about the man who was forgiven all this great debt. His master set him free. You are forgiven. And then this individual, he went out and he found someone that owed him a much lesser debt, And he began to get angry at him and manipulate him and did all kinds of harsh things to him. The news traveled back to the master. He heard what uh, this person has done, and and he came to him. And you'll see this in Matthew 18, in 33, 34, and 35, right there at the end of this narrative. And he says, I have forgiven you all this great debt. Could you not show mercy on him? As I have shown mercy on you. And you see the heart of the gospel in that passage. When I think about what other people do to me as far as offending me, even when they do sinful things to me, I have to recalibrate my mind to the gospel and recognize that the sin that I have committed before God transcends anything that anyone could ever do to me. Some of you know that in 1997 that my, my sister-in-law shot my brother five times. She, she killed him. She murdered him. And it was this idea that helped me not to be captured by what she did. In order to have a heart of forgiveness for this atrocious sin that she perpetrated on my brother, murdering him, in order for me to work through that, I had to recognize that what she did to my brother cannot compete with what I have done to Christ Now sometimes for some of you uh, there, there are significant things that have happened in your life I understand for those of you who have followed this narrative and in my life you know that ten years before that the same thing happened where someone killed my oldest brother and in in, in uh, 87 and and 97 those two murders happened. You can't work through the atrocity of another person, the offenses of other people, the devastating things that they do in our lives. I'm not making light of anything that's ever happened to you. I do understand. But what I'm saying here is that if our minds are not calibrated by the gospel, we can act like the person here who in Matthew 18 who was forgiven of that enormous debt. And then he went out and began to beat up someone who did not owe anything that would come close to what he had been released from. And so in those moments before I yield to the temptation of sinful anger. And and now, by the way, I'm not saying this as though I have succeeded, that I've actually mastered this. I have not. But this is the template. This is the formula this is the process. And in those moments before I yield to the temptation of sinful anger, I need to inform myself of what I am missing in the gospel. The gospel hasn't truly anchored my heart and recalibrated my thinking. Now what I want to do here is I'm going to use Paul's template in Ephesians 4, put off and put on, and I want to give you two lists. Uh, One list is a person who is controlled by a lesser spirit, and then the other list is a person who is controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, this is another graphic that we have on our site, and so I want to share this uh, list with you just to help you to think about put off and put on. I'm not managed by the gospel, and I give myself over to sinful anger. I recalibrate my mind in accordance to the gospel, and now I'm managed by the gospel and not managed by this thing that I am craving in my heart. So it's a comparative list, and I want to work down this. And so I'll take some a list of uh, uh, anger, uh, and it's an anger list, is what I'll give you. Impatience. Imp- impatience is a form of anger. As I begin to calibrate my heart to the gospel, impatience turns into patience toward others. I can be patient toward other people when I recognize how patient God has been to me. Unforgiveness is another form of anger. Then I can have a heart that is ready to forgive when I'm calibrated by the gospel. Now, let me speak here to that just a moment, and I'll go back to my former sister-in-law. I can't forgive her uh, transactionally because she's never asked. And so I'm not talking about transactional forgiveness. Sometimes you can't forgive people transactionally because they haven't asked, or they can't ask. My father, for example, would be an illustration of that. He died in 1978. I became a Christian in 1984. And so there's no way that we can transact forgiveness. But there's another type of forgiveness, and it is attitudinal forgiveness. It is a heart of forgiveness, even though you're not transacting. And so in some situations where it's not possible or it's not prudent to transact forgiveness, you can have an attitude of forgiveness toward them, even though they may never be released from their sin. And so the key here, they may not be released from their sin, but you don't want to be incarcerated by their sin. And that is what I had to work through with my sister-in-law, with the gentleman who murdered my first brother, And then also with my dad. As far as I know, none of them have been forgiven by God. As far as I know, none of them have asked. I don't know. None of them have ever asked me for forgiveness. That I do know. And so there cannot be a transaction there. But I don't have to be managed by what they did. And that's the key. We do not want to be managed by what other people do to us. And so I could respond with unforgiveness. But that only incarcerates me. Or as I calibrate to the gospel, as I think about the great love that God has bestowed upon me and the forgiveness that he has given me, I can be ready to forgive. I can have a heart of forgiveness toward others. Frustration, a form of anger. Contentment. Gossip, a form of anger as you self-righteously look down on another person. It's just a harsh, angry sin put on saying good things about others. Criticalness finding good in others, sinful judging, comparing myself to Christ. That's a good one. When you feel like you want to judge someone, that's a form of anger when you do that. What about first, you just compare yourself to Christ? (laughs) Then you'll feel small all of a sudden, and that will kind of level the playing field. It's like, no, I can't look down on them when I compare myself to Christ. Unkindness is a form of anger. Obviously, kindness is a heart calibrated by the gospel. Slander, a form of anger. Praying for others is the proper attitude here. Silence. Silence is a devaluing statement that we make toward other people. I'm talking about silence when we should speak. I'm talking about the silent treatment. Sometimes we give people the silent treatment. It is a form of murder, It is pretending that that person does not exist. Physical murder says, I will get rid of you. You do not exist. Silent treatment is a subtle form of anger that says, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to pretend that you do not exist. It is a, a heart of anger, even though, consequentially, obviously, it is not as bad as physical murder, consequentially. But instead of silence, you can calibrate your heart by the gospel, and be quick to reconcile. Harshness? Kind tones. Eye rolling? How about self-control? Sin comparison? How about if I address the log in my eye before I go speck fishing in someone else's eye? And then putting someone else down, what about if we build them up? You see that in Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but we speak those words that build up the other person. And so there's two lists here in this graphic. And so if you go to our shareables at lifeovercoffee.com, in the footer, at the quick links, just uh, click on shareables, and you'll see another icon. The infographics will have the anger spectrum. And then there'll be another icon that says poster. And we have a bunch of posters, and they're free to you as well. And you can get this poster here that has these two uh, lists, the anger list and the gospel-calibrated list, the biblical responses instead of anger. And it's important that we understand these things because if we don't, and if we're not implementing these things, then anger will run wild all over us, and that is really not a response that, or a habituation that we want to live in. This is episode 497. I'm talking about anger, uh, how to help a person who is angry, and the last part of it. And those who, who are in the line of fire. And so I want to wrap up by talking about or talking to the person who is in the line of fire and give you some practical thoughts that I trust will help you if you are on the receiving end of a person's anger. And so the first first thing, I'll, I'll just share Proverbs twenty two twenty four 24 with you because it's so relevant. Proverbs twenty two twenty four 24 says, "...make no friendship with a man given to anger." nor go with a wrathful man. And so you need to keep that in mind. I'll give you four ideas. And so the first one is walk away. Walk away from this person. Now, I know in in some situations that's not immediately possible, but it is an attitude that you need to maintain in your mind. Do not try to help the angry person alone. The person habituated in sinful anger is not under the influence of the Spirit of God. He is without God, at least functionally, because God opposes proud hearts. In James 4.6, you continue reading, you know, in James 4, 1 and 2, what causes quarrels, what causes conflict. And as you go on down, you get to 4 6, and James says that God opposes the proud. That word opposed there means that God is a warring army against this individual. The angry person is in worse shape than, than he could imagine. God is a warring army army in opposition to this individual and you need to understand that that you, you don't want to go into war with this person uh, because he has a proud heart that is elevated above the knowledge of God and he is unwilling to humble himself you're not going to be able to do that either it would be a fool's mission to get in the to get the angry man to stop being angry He needs community and a lot and lots of it. And I'll speak to that in just a moment. But but first, I just want to say walk away physically, uh, walk away mentally, or do not engage. Uh, Walk away could mean don't say anything, could be go to the other room, It'll mean different things for different people, but the big idea is that you can't engage this individual because his heart is torn asunder and God is opposing him. God is not on his side and he is under the influence of another spirit. He is not operating under the Holy Spirit's power. And so create some distance uh, between you and the angry person. Number two. He's a fool. And I know that sounds harsh, but this is Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. A synonym that the Lord uses in Proverbs 14, 29 to describe the angry man is foolish. And so he's a fool. My intent here is not to be harsh. It's not to be unkind. But I don't want to cancel Scripture or rewrite it. The word foolish represents the actions of the angry person. He commits foolishness. He commits folly. And so the behavior of foolishness, that that is coming out on you, that behavior is coming from the heart of a fool. If you're going to have foolish behavior, then there is continuity from the behavior right down to the heart. Jesus said it this way, by his fruit. You know him. If you look at the apple on the apple tree, you know what the root is. There is no discontinuity between what a person does and who a person is. Jesus also taught us that the words that we use originate in the heart. In Luke 6, verses 43 through 45, in verse 45, he sums up the matter out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Therefore, if the words are foolish, if the behavior is folly, then this person is a fool. Again, not to be harsh, but it would be a good exercise recognizing that a synonym for anger is a fool. And it would be a good exercise to go through the book of Proverbs and highlight every time you see the word fool, foolish, foolishness, or folly. When you see those words, just highlight them, and every time you do, it will give you a brush stroke on the canvas, and it will tell you what kind of person this is. And this goes back to the angry, uh, anger spectrum, because what we like to do is cut the corners off of our anger. It was just a little sin. Oh, he's bitter. He was rolling his eyes. You know, he's, he gossiped. And we want to sanitize the sins that we commit. And then we commit them over and over and over and over again. We have a habituation, but we can rationalize our way out of it. But when you bring the Bible's nomenclature down on our actual activity, it sounds harsher than what we want to apply to ourselves. Go back to the gentleman who got all bent out of shape because he was misgendered. I mean, he is so far from hearing this biblical description that he's a fool. He's broken up. He's disordered because he's misgendered. How weak can we be? And then when you bring in this, this strong language of the Bible, you're a fool. Well, he, he's in no place to receive that. At this time, but when you bring in the Bible's description of what we're doing, it just blows away uh, all the the murkiness and all the uh, the uh, manipulations and the way that we try to uh, hide our sin, and it it, it just exposes us, start naked before the clarity of God's word. And if you understand Him as a fool, when you do this. Lesson through proverbs of fool, foolish, foolishness, and folly. Well, that goes back to point number one why you need to walk away. This person is a fool. You need to walk away, at least mentally. Number two, he's a fool. You got to understand that. And then number three, do find help. You would be wise not to interact with a fool. Alone. Answer not this fool. He does not play by God's rules. If God is opposing him and he is proud, he is not humbling himself before the mighty hand of God, then remember, he is a God. Little G O D. He is the one that's in charge of his universe. He is the one that is in control. He is the one that will determine how things will go. He is the one that will lay out the rules. You can't do anything with that. Don't try. You would be right to appeal. Of course, please stop doing that. I beg of you to stop doing that. You would be right to appeal to God, obviously. Pray God, help him to change. Now again, if this is an angry woman, all of this applies to a woman as well. But, but most time those requests are going to fall on the hardened ground of his heart. And so what you want to do is you want to talk to uh, the spiritual authorities in his life, calling on them to bring in assistance. Matthew 18 uh, would be an excellent passage here in verses 15, 16, and 17. And calling on the help of the local church. I need your help. Maybe you wouldn't say it like this. Maybe you would. I don't know. That my husband is a fool. My wife is a fool. And I need help because a fool will not listen. And no matter what I say, they're not going to cooperate because they're a fool. And so you have to bring in additional help. If they're not part of a local church, there has to be some kind of an authority in this person's life that you can call on. Someone that has some kind of leverage in this individual's life. And then point number four, he's disqualified. Now speaking specifically in marriage, because he is a God, little g-o-d, as I have described, he is breaking the very first commandment in Exodus 20, verse number three. That disqualifies him from leading you. Now, if this is a husband and you are the wife, he's disqualified from leading you. There's this weird teaching in some parts of Christendom that's, that, that says a wife should uh, submit to her husband in every way, no matter what the husband is doing. That's not only dumb, but it's also dangerous. Uh, you don't want to do that. No, you want to get out of dodge, walk away in whatever that means in this, in this context. But you're, you're right to move away from him uh, until you can get the help uh, to work through this. Because he's disqualified. You're not to submit to him because uh, the hierarchy is that he follows God. You follow him. The children follow the parents. But if he moves outside of that line there, then you follow God. You follow God. He does he does. God does not call us to follow fools unthinkingly. There is a mutual and reciprocal requirement for the husband to lead and to love his wife and for her to submit and to respect him. him. But that is a mutual and reciprocal requirement. He leads, he loves, she submits, she respects. All that's fine when everybody is in line and following God. But if he's going to browbeat her, if he's going to be sinfully angry toward her, if he's going to, uh, in a pattern, uh, be the fool to her— Uh, then she needs to get help, and she does not need to be gaslit or manipulated as though she is to submit submit to Him in all ways. Now, you do want to distinguish between a pattern and an episode. I mean, getting angry or getting angry every now and then, that's a whole different matter. But I'm talking about a day-to-day pattern of sin, of sinful anger, in this idea of disqualification, because the truth is all of us get, most of us, Uh, get angry, but it's episodic anger, and it's not a pattern of anger in a person's life. This is episode 497, Help for the Angry and Those in the Line of Fire. Now, I do recommend that you go and get my book, Mad, from our store. It is a fuller treatment on all of the things that I've shared here. Uh, This is just a little bit. The subject is much better, uh, much more, Uh, dealt with, uh, with our resources, and in that book, Man, because this can create a lot of questions that I understand that. For those of you who are part of our supporting community, then what I want you to do is to go uh, on our private forums that are just for you, our supporters, and if you have questions, I want you to ask them there. That's where I interact with people. We don't have the human resources to be able to talk to everybody on all the socials. I mean, there are multiplied thousands of people, and we get questions all the time, but unfortunately, regrettably, sadly, uh, we're not able to answer those questions because, well, it would shut down our ministry. There are so many questions. And so we have to be efficient in how we do ministry, or uh, if we spread ourselves so thin, we would not be able to do ministry at all. And so for those of you who support us, please uh, jump on our forums with questions that you may have. And then for the rest of you, just go to our coffee shop at lifeovercoffee.com and check out our resources because we've got a lot of stuff on all things anger and you will find the help that you need. Episode 497, Help for the Angry and Those in the Line of Fire, I want to ask a couple of questions. This is kind of a test uh, to make sure that uh, we all have been paying attention, so put on your thinking caps. Number one, what does anger reveal about the angry person's heart? Now I give an answer here in this CTA. He has changed a desire into a need. And it's important that you understand that. That's what's going on in the in, in, in the uh, person's heart. If he is sinfully angry, then something in his life has, has morphed. It has been pumped up. Uh, until now, it is a need, and he will use manipulative anger in order to get that need satiated. Now, If you can have a conversation with this person, uh, this is something that he or she uh, needs to see. They need to see this, uh, what they're doing. That there are two categories. And those two categories, uh, they are different. One is true, real needs, and the other is desires. And if you got too much stuff filling up this real need category, you need to shift it over to the other category of desires. You can live with it. You can live without it. But these things are not going to control me, and I'm not going to use anger as a manipulative tactic to get those things because, again, I don't really need it. I may want it. It may be great to have it. But I'm not getting it today, I'm okay. Question number two What happens when a person transforms desires into needs? Now, I just explained that, and I trust that you would be able to answer that question. Number three, why is it unwise to answer an angry fool? And you want to think about the lack of discontinuity between the behaviors and the heart, between what rolls off the tongue and the heart. There's no discontinuity there. Everything that we say, everything that we do flows from our hearts. And if we do foolishness, as Jesus said, by their fruit, you shall know them. And if we do foolishness, then we are fools, and you want to really do a deep study on how to help a fool, and you can find that information in the book of Proverbs. Number four, why is the angry authority figure disqualified from leading those under him? Now, again, I'm not talking about an episode of sin in the person's life. I'm talking about a pattern of angry sin in the person's life where he not just moves out in a second or two as he loses his mind and gets angry, But a person who moves out and and just nestes over here, and he becomes the god of his life, and he's living in a habituated pattern of anger. That's the person that is disqualifying. Now, one of the things that I would recommend for some of you, if you haven't, that we do have an excellent book, uh, it's called Change Me, The Ultimate Life Change Handbook. You can find this book in our store. You can order it from Amazon, either way. Uh, but I would really encourage you to get this book. We have individuals, we have couples, we have small groups. A pastor just sent me a, a, a two photographs a couple of weeks ago, well, maybe a month or so ago, a while ago. And it showed him with a small group of men as he was going through this book, Change Me. This is an excellent book. We've had wonderful reviews on it. Uh, The chapters, all the chapters have CTAs. They have questions that I've just asked you. They also have uh, graphics in them as well. And so this would be very helpful uh, because uh, there's graphics uh, and it deals with so many different topics. And so I would encourage you to get this book. I was trying to roll through... The anger spectrum, because I know I deal with that at some point uh, in this book, uh, but it's in here as a graphic as well. And so it's a very helpful infographic. But get this book, Change Me. This is something that a husband and wife can go through, uh, a small group, like what that pastor did, or if you want to go through it, by yourself please do that now also we have uh, forums on our website Uh, one of our forums is called leaders over coffee and that particular forum i do five short videos uh, every week, Monday through Friday. At least five, I've done as many as 12, but at least five videos, teaching videos, Monday through Friday, in our Leaders Over Coffee forum. And that may be something that you would be interested in. And we also have a one-hour monthly meeting, 12 times a year. We have a private forum as well. These are for people who are not counselees per se, but people who are doing the work of discipleship. Biblical counselors, folks who are helping other people, small group leaders, pastors, Christians who are seriously minded and they won't like a a life coach they want to come alongside person Well, this place is for you Leaders over coffee and we come alongside our leaders over coffee and we interact with them on a daily basis And so if you're interested in that go to lifeovercoffee.com and just click the join button up top and they'll tell you everything that you need as far as Leaders Over Coffee is concerned. So we have a lot here to help you with. And so come to our coffee shop, lifeovercoffee.com, and just mill around. Get all these resources, these posters and infographics. We have a thousand plus podcasts and videos and articles and so much more. So check it out. And of course, be sure to stop by this resource, episode 497, Help for the Angry and Those in the Line of Fire. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.